Hey, everybody. This is Rob for the House of X Book Club. And, uh, of course, I've got with me the usual suspects. Hello, Drew. How's it going? Good, Rob. How are you? Hey, I'm happy to be here, man. As you should be. We are delightful people to hang out with. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Even though one of us is being forced. Um, <laughs> run, run, run. And it's not Rowan or Shane. Um, so... <laughs> I guess I'm um, Shane, how's it going, dude? I'm doing pretty good. How are you this evening? Good, sir. I'm great, man. Uh, I feel like I had a long night at work, and now I'm coming home to, to relax and talk some some shit about comics. Um... <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different for me because I go and do this at work all day and then come home and do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hi, Rowan. Hi, Rob. <laughs> she hates me. She really hates me. <laughs> I don't hate you. That would be awkward if I hated you. It would be so awkward. <laughs> it would be super awkward. We kind of like sleep next to each other. Yeah. Um... <laughs> nothing, so... nothing, nothing says total hatred like being willing to see someone in their underpants over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Thank you know, you those, I, I thank have you for to those say, pictures, Shane. Like, <laughs> we record no these. We record these on Thursday nights. Yep. And like Thursday is my Friday at work. It's it's the end of my work week, and it's like there's just like nothing better than finishing up a like very grueling week of work, and then coming down, s sitting and doing this with you guys. Like it's yeah, just the perfect way to end a week. That's that's, that's awesome. Cool. That's so I sweet, really like Drew. hearing that. Yeah. Yeah, I love true. you too, Thank but you. I'm not ready for a commitment right now. You know what? Bachelor life forever. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we are recording uh, episode 22. Can you believe that? Episode 22. Um, yeah. And yeah. And it's a little bit of a mix up. We got some X-Men. We got some Avengers. We're going to be covering X-Men number 38 and Avengers number 47. And um, I, I, before we started recording, you guys were kind of verbally rolling your eyes. Um, <laughs> I was but, actually rolling yeah. my eyes too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, I don't, I kind of think there's some good stuff in here, to be honest. I mean, there's, definitely some eye-rolling material there's definitely some some stuff that you know we have some things we need to say but but um it was some interesting i guess interesting legacy material some of this stuff is like stuff i remember hearing about when i was a kid and it of course happened way before i was born but um actually as time goes on it's less of a long time before i was born because these these books came out in 67 but but yeah, this is stuff I heard about and read about, and it was interesting to to, to you know kind of read it. But that's interesting guess... because I'm amazed that people would want to talk about some of these issues, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of sick that way, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, guys, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're gonna go ahead and jump in. Uh, we are gonna talk about X Men Thirty Eight. And the release date of X-Men number 38 was September 7th, 1967. Uh, the cover date was November of 67. 
we're gonna see here. There's there's two credits, two sets of credits, because this book had two stories in it, um, which they decided to start doing right now. They're like, yeah, let's start telling the origin stories of the X Men. So, so this uh, the the primary story is called Sinister Shadow of Doomsday. It was written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Don Heck, inked by George Bell. The lettering was L.P. Gregory, and the editor was Stan Lee. Uh, before we get into this this issue, um, you know, I, I'm looking back at issues 34 and 35, and they had Jerry Feldman, which was an in, which I thought was interesting because Jerry Feldman did the lettering for the uh, for those issues, and it, it had only been like Sam and Joe Rosen and, and Artie Simic up to that point, if I remember correctly. So. It's kind of interesting that you know more people are now coming into the into the fray and and putting their credits on the books. Um, are there more books coming out now, or is it just these are they, they Stan Rance? This was when Stan started running people off. Well, yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, there's kind of a rotating uh, rotating door with with some of the books. I mean, some books are coming out, other books are stopping. Um, you know, and of course we have the cores. The, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the the, the X Men, um, Spidery Men, and Spider and Spidery Men, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing here is that this the the letterer here is L P Gregory, and I got interested in who is L P Gregory, and so I looked him up, and it turns out that his neo his real name is Gaspar Saladino, and in the '60s Saladino freelanced for Marvel. Uh, under a couple of different pseudonyms, including L.P. Gregory. Apparently his wife's name was Lisa, and his kids' names were Peter and Greg. So at the time, Saladino was working regularly for DC Comics, and it was, again, one of those situations where he didn't want his boss to know he was moonlighting over at Marvel. Um, I'm going to ask you guys... Roger, I know what Roger's answer would have been, but I'm going to ask you guys, is there uh, one single DC comic story that you can think of where the lettering jumps out at the reader and is very noticeably part of the art? I would say that the art, the, the lettering didn't really start to become a part of the, yeah, the lettering I'm not, didn't Yeah, I'm not talking about back in the day. I'm talking even even now, like modern stuff. Like the there, Bernie there... Wrightson stuff was always. Mm -hmm. um, I'm talking. Okay. So I'm talking DC. I, I'm asking yeah. one specific story. One specific. No. And I don't, I can't recall anything that jumps out at me then. Yeah. I can't. So either. if I were asked this question, the first thing I would have said is Arkham Asylum by uh, Grant Morrison and um, Dave McKeon. Um the letters in that are all over the page. They're part of, you know, part of the art in the story for the most part. At any rate, that the lettering in that book was done by Gaspar Saladino. So he's been working a long time. He's been on his job for a while. Wow. Unfortunately, he died in 2016, but he was working right into the late 2000s or into the, you know, the two, up until the 2010s. So at any rate, 
so that is LP Gregory for you, if anybody's wondering, and probably nobody is. So, <laughs> well, now was now was the lettering in that in the Arkham Asylum though was like how much of that was him and how much of it was um, Keown like incorporating some McKean, of that McKean, yeah, into some of his art. Um, you know, I don't know. I just know that he did the lettering. Now, um, obviously there are parts of you know, of the lettering that is swirling around and curling around imagery. And who knows that may be McKeon, but, um, but yeah, as far as credited for lettering, uh, Gaspar Saladino was, was the guy. Good question though. I'm yeah. So getting back into it, story number one, <laughs> sinister shadow of doomsday, the mutant master, right? We're back to that mutant master wants to bring about world war three and he wants to destroy the inferior race of Homo sapiens and rule with mutants on top. Um, he's put bombs in strategic places all over the place. And the X-Men now have to go and warn these people or to stop the bombs. And, and if these bombs go off, because they're like at military bases, missile silos, I don't know, uh, then it could mean nuclear war, Russia and and the United States will attack each other. So East versus West. That's right. Um, that's right. The mutant master started the 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 hip hop battles from the nineties. Now we <laughs> yeah. know who killed Biggie and Pac. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, I got kind of confused by this because it seemed like everybody went to Eastern Europe. Um yeah, why was so, everyone in Eastern Europe? There's no that's the only way to explain how quickly they get to each other. Yeah. Well, uh, there, it even said that one, they split into two groups. Okay. One group went to, went to Eastern Europe to Russia to, to talk to the, the Russian military guys and say, Hey, you know, evacuate or let's find this bomb. And the other group went to an American missile base in Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was confusing. I thought at some point they actually said that they were in America. They yeah. did, after they went to Eastern Europe, um, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Well, they, we, we, we missed something, though, because we're missing the fact that, that with, on the second page, the Beast is able to detect bombs with his bombs feet. Bombs with his feet. Oh, that's, uh, my, uh, that's my very first note for this issue. It's ridiculous. My very first note applies to the cover. I said someone looked at this cover and was okay with it, but it must have only been their eyes because they didn't look at it with their soul. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, in Russia they end up getting caught, um, but not before having to defeat the Blob and uh, chasing off the Vanisher. So they go to the the military in Russia and they're like, "Hey, there's a bomb here," um, you know. After sneaking around, the Beast. He he has to fight guys by himself. There's a big fight. Uh, there's he does he senses the bomb using the mutant power of his feet, and and that is a good question, man. What the hell? Yeah, I just was like, yeah, he's got bomb detecting powers in his feet because why the fuck not? Why not? <laughs> I have a lot um, of exclamation marks on that note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a lot of now, expletives as well. <laughs> so now the X Men get caught here. Like I said, they go to warn the Russians 
Um, but the Russians are like, ah, they're Americans. They're attacking. They're trying to assassinate our leaders. And then there's a big fight. And then, of course, the Vanisher and the Blob show up. And the Vanisher boogies and the Blob gets knocked unconscious, as do the rest, as do, you know, Team A of the X-Men. And they all get locked up. Now, in uh, presumably America, <laughs> the X-Men warn the U.S. military, which kind of goes easier, but not really. Because those guys just think the X Men are crazy. Um, they want so so their their reasoning there. They're they're uh, uh, you know if the X Men can't get through to these guys and tell them, look, there's somebody else set a bomb up here. Their thing is to disable the missiles at the missile base, <laughs> which struck me as kind of weird. So, okay, well, if you won't let us look for this bomb, we're going to defeat, we're going to destroy all your missiles so you can't shoot them off. This doesn't those make are sense the only me. two possible options. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so of course, there's, there is that, but there's so many missiles, they can't possibly destroy them all. They know, of course, if bombs and missiles start going off, there's going to be war. So, uh, Mutant Master and Changeling, by the way, have Xavier captive. And he's helpless. But the changeling is kind of beginning to see Mutant Master differently. And that is essentially it is what sensually. happens. Yes, that is essentially what happens. <laughs> essentially what happens in the story. That is the, you know. But tell me about it. Okay, you guys, come on. Let's let's talk about this. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm I mean, on, I, I'm I had the, the same. I had the same note that Beast Feet could could detect bombs. Okay, that was great. But well, what else but, we got going? on? It here? was ridiculous. So we've read like three, like there have been at least four issues to this point now, talking about the Factor Three, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. and we finally find out now that that the mutant master plans to blow up the planet. Yeah. And. And how, but he never explains how the mutants are going to be protected from the explosions. Well, yeah. that's that's another note. Uh, let's see, page four, last panel. <laughs> it it's just like it's so weird that like the mutant master is willing to lay waste to the entire world and quote unquote take over what remains. Like, there's going to be nothing left. But he's fine with that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're you're trying to dominate the world. But you're gonna bomb everything straight to hell. Not only that, but how many mutants are there at this point? Like twelve? Is he counting? Well, no, the idea is that there are a bunch. They're just not known. They're okay. Because you know. I'm just I feel bad for Marvel Girl and Scarlet Witch because it sounds like the mutant master is planning on them repopulating the earth or something. And I'm like, yeah, there's only two <laughs> female mutants in the whole planet. Well, right? not counting the X Men. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the whole thing was just it was it was I was just I was really frustrated with this issue. Um mm. like on like on page five, all of a sudden we get into this whole ham radio thing and this big oh. and this big thing of ultra technology and, and he's got this hovercraft that that helps him move around, which the changeling forgot he had. And then they're using a ham radio to send messages. And I'm it, like... At, and it, it's not that they're just sending messages. They're sending messages at an ultra-high frequency that only dogs and mutants can hear. 
<laughs> yes. Only would dogs. You, would you like mutants. to know what I wrote about that, Drew? Here yes. comes Stan with the stupid. <laughs> my, my, my note says, God damn it, Stan. Evil mutants can hear the same high pitch frequency as dogs. What kind of bullshit is that? <laughs> you know, I love the fact that uh, Stan didn't even write this issue and we're still blaming him for it. Yeah. But, no, um, that was his note. The, the high it was frequency his note. dogs yeah, yeah. and evil mutants was Stan. <laughs> And yes. if I remember correctly, well, there was a note about the ham radio, and it was like a big box that was, it, you know, I, I, you guys often talk about how that kind of thing is disruptive, and I'm, I've always been like, yeah, it didn't bother me too much. This was annoying. <laughs> Can I read it? Can I read yeah, that go, box go right for ahead, audience? Go right ahead. For those ham radio addicts in our ever-loving audience, we might point out that that this frequency generator that this generator works on a special ultra high frequency audible only to dogs and evil mutants signed science minded stan so not even the good mutants can hear it right uh, <laughs> only the evil ones <laughs> cuz they've got the the evil mutants have hearing in the dog range but the good mutants they they can hear the same range as a sasquatch yeah yeah <laughs> You know, too, it, it'd be a good idea to, like, kind of see who it is that notices. Like, if Beast is like, hey, did you guys hear that? And they're like, Beast? What? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been dope. I would have been down. <laughs> I was really annoyed by the, the casual treason. You know, when they were on the base, it's supposedly in America. <laughs> and they were like, well, you're going to... You're gonna help us, or you're we're gonna take a, we're gonna take out all these missiles at the airbase. What? What? <laughs> yeah. You don't just tell the military you're gonna you're gonna do whatever with the missiles. No. It you know, like that's what we're gonna do. Um it it just it just was so it was just so ridiculous. So soon after being uh, uh... after being Public enemy number one there Public for enemy. a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> and and they recovered from that. Impressive. Yeah, especially after the jack of that million dollars. Right, the, <laughs> the money that everyone's just not talking about. Yeah, they used it to buy ham radios. Um, so one thing I thought was kind of cool was while we're reading this, my eyes got really big and I looked over at Rowan and was like, ooh, when this happened, right? And it was the changeling is like thinking he's all that and he challenges the mutant master, basically saying that he'd be nothing without him. Um, and and I mean, I think the mutant master's kind of lame. I don't like this storyline at all, but I obviously think the mutant master has has some power. You know, he's something. And, and he's at least a megalomaniac, so if you talk shit to him, it doesn't matter. He's not going to like that. Um, so, you know, when the changeling was like, Oh, come on. You certainly couldn't do this without me. It's like, oh, damn. And then he has like that weird weaponized floor that has some sort of nebulous kind of thing. Uh, that one panel, they call it, um, it's electrified or it's a sonic attack and it's called a shock ray. <laughs> I'm like, well, which one of these is it, motherfucker? Make up your mind. Is it doing all three yeah. of them? Why did you only call it the shock ray then? Yeah. Yeah. This well, issue, so what they're, what they're trying to do here is, you know, they're, they're pushing the storyline along. Um, 
but I felt that it ended abruptly, you know, it ended abruptly because it is like a three or four part story arc. And then they have half of the book or maybe not even half the book, but five more pages of the book with a backup story. So it, it, I didn't like the way it ended. I mean, my notes are pretty abrupt because really that's all there was to the story. It was, it was an abrupt, an abrupt story. Um, and I remember talking about how I really wanted to see factor three and see what they could do. And I was like reading this, getting this far into it. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with them. <laughs> uh, I have a note in here from page seven, middle panel where Stan has, you know, another Stan box. Mm. <laughs> and and my note my note literally is shut up Stan <laughs> Celsius wow. yeah that um, that whole that whole box describing why there was a cutaway was irritating yeah. his piss that's for yes. sure yeah that wasn't even and the that box wasn't needed I think we were we could tell what was going on there um, so what did you guys think of this. Now, you remember a few issues ago where the beast got taken out by two thugs? They, they were, yeah, like, they got beat up in the living room, right? Yeah, he got he got trounced on pretty bad. Um, well, in this one, he can take out a bunch of soldiers, no problem. Right, yeah, yeah. Street hoods are, are too much for him. But, you know, highly trained military specialists, piece of cake! That's something he can get behind. <laughs> so... Uh, I think some of my other notes were like, did did Cyclops just threaten to destroy our military's missiles? Um, Jean was using her powers in new ways. Was uh, she? Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that because yeah. there was so much so, bullshit covering it up. <laughs> so here she used uh, her power to create a bubble around Blob's head, and he had gas around him. And so it kept the gas in, so he had to breathe it in, and that's how he got knocked out. Uh, she could have always done that just to knock somebody unconscious because of the lack of oxygen, but you know, I th she's she's learning. Um, <laughs> but that was she'd never done that before, and I was like, that's how I would be using my power all the time, you know. So. There was one point in this book where I actually felt bad for the beast. Oh, it was oh. at the very beginning when he was feeling frustrated. He was like, "We've been looking for Factor Three for weeks." And I was like, oh, oh, dear sweet baby Hank. <laughs> Chris Claremont is coming for you soon. And a, yeah, right. and a, and a couple of weeks is going to seem like a treat. <laughs> that point. Yep. One of the Besides things factor, that factor three is behind Shane the whole time. One of the things that really pissed me off in this issue was on uh, page nine, the first panel, when Mutant Master and, and Charles Xavier are talking to each other. And Changeling's bragging about how great Factor 3 is. And Professor X is like, oh, no, the X-Men can take you. The X-Men can handle Factor 3. No problem. Meanwhile, we spent like three issues trying to recruit new members, if not more, because he started trying to recruit new members before the Mimic like became. Yeah. A, that's why the Mimic became a member of the X-Men. So yeah. it's been like probably, you know, a year in in, in our time that – he is afraid that they can't take on factor three. And then he's like, Oh no, we can do it. No problem. I was like, okay, sure. Professor X. Yep. Maybe he's bluffing. I hope so. Because that makes it make sense in my head. <laughs> one of the things that really irritated me was at one point they're talking and Jean's like, 
we don't know where the conference is. How do we even start, you know, doing, you know, stopping this explosion? Beast is like, and Beast is like, there's no time to talk about that. We need to jump into action. Well, motherfucker, you don't know what you need to do. That's what she's trying to say. And then I was like, Roy Thomas is a kindergarten teacher, and he's letting his class do the plotting for this book. Hey, you know, I think people just need to have faith in Hank and his big feet. Yeah. <laughs> his bomb-detecting toes. That's right. It's just and his healing factor. Detects bombs. And, and his ham radio supersonic wave hearing ears. So I have a note here that that really is just kind of a, a nitpicky thing for, on my part. Uh, I feel like we're totally talking crap about this comic, and um, <laughs> I guess we are. At any rate, uh, the crimson-clad mutant is as good as his word. Now, they're talking about the Vanisher, who's wearing a green costume in this particular panel. <laughs> I, I have in my notes specifically to ask you guys if in your – in your issues, if he's wearing a different color than green, because he's green and yellow in mine. Yes, no, he's wearing yeah. green. The only he was wearing a turd brown costume on the cover, as yeah. as the beast was farting fire at him. <laughs> so yeah, and, he's wearing green throughout the whole costume, yeah. throughout the whole comic. Now I, I imagine that this is something that it was overlooked by you know color an editor. And, Yes, well, the editor was too busy. Yeah, the editor was too busy talking about fucking ham radios in order to in order to actually edit the goddamn book. I yeah. think, but the other thing that that really hit me was I was trying to figure out how they could explain the Vanisher teleporting the Blob. I thought like I, the, the Vanisher doesn't like teleport other people. Well, not until now, but I was I was a little surprised by that too. Yeah. And then the yeah. one thing, like in the scene where um, Changeling is like taunting Professor X, um, they're like, "Oh, we invented this machine that can make people's legs and arms not work," implying that they <laughs> invented quadriplegics. I'm like, "This mm. is horrible!" But they, um, they're sitting there, and he's like, "Yes, we've kept you alive so that we can kill you." Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, I can I can I circle back on something? Yeah, about like them all being in Eastern Europe. So yep. at the you know page one, the very beginning, they're they're still in Factor Four, Factor Three's base in Eastern Europe, and then they escape on their little flying saucer thing, and mm -hmm. then on page six they are back in the X Men mansion, mm -hmm. and then immediately after that the team splits up, and Scott and Bobby are somewhere in the United States. And the other three members are back in Eastern Europe. Like that's yeah. the chronology set out in this issue. Well, don't they use those little egg, egg flyer things? They mention actually once or twice that they fly really fast. They, they are. Really I will quick. say that they did mention that they fly fast. They totally look. I like hate this book, but to me. I will give them that. Okay. And I could <sighs> not figure out how the angel got the vanisher to shoot himself in the face with his own gun. Like the gas. nothing happened. Uh, he used his wings to, and it upset know. him. I'm stretching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm reaching here, man. I I don't. I got nothing. <laughs> and then that gas that the vanisher just shot himself in the face with managed to also blast the blob in the face. Yeah, like in it was just time. like an all 
all forehead area gas gun, apparently. Well, that's how it works on evil mutants. Oh, okay. Like yeah. it's it's because oh, it's based on their ears because of their hearing frequency. That's right. <laughs> yep. I'm just glad it doesn't go to their feet because Hank would be in trouble. He would not be able to detect bombs. So I, I, I'm getting that we're all pretty much unanimous as far as this was kind of a stinker and <laughs> readers could probably skip it. Yeah. You know, I try to find something positive to say about at least one thing positive to say about every issue, but these, these next coming books and this one included, I just, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> okay. I have one positive <laughs> thing to say about this book. This is going to be good. There were two stories in it. So the main one was shorter. Hey. <laughs> but then that that confused me too because i didn't read the cover i'm gonna be honest i didn't look at the cover i just started reading it and the cover might have told me that there was going to be a little vignette in the back but like all of a sudden just a completely different story happened i was like wait a minute did something did my did my tablet load something wrong what's going on here yeah <laughs> well we were reading we were reading on uh marvel unlimited and at one point rowan gets up like she's done and i'm like hang on i think there's another page after this oh there's a whole nother story and she's like uh <laughs> i'm right there with you sister <laughs> because i was so confused about that little five page story at the end i didn't take any notes on it but like, yeah. Well, no, I I, 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 have a I had a couple on it because I felt completely vindicated by this little short story in the back because it proves that Professor X gives zero fucks about mind wiping an entire office yeah. building. Oh, yeah, let's yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and start in on that story. So the story number two, the backup story is uh, Marvel's attempt to start telling the origins of the X-Men. I don't know. Maybe they wanted to do this before they ended up canceling the book or they were they were like, all right, we, we got to tell some backstory for these guys. Um, but story well, that, number two. That begs an interesting question, Rob. Um, yeah. were, ha were they talking internally or externally even about canceling the X-Men at this point? Numerous um, times before this, my understanding. Yeah, there were some periods where, you know, X-Men just it wasn't doing well. You know, and you're not going to get that from Stanley and editorial writing back to the readers in the back of the book. But, um, yeah, they it it's it is the redheaded stepchild, I believe, of, of the Marvel comics. Um, story number two is a man called X. So the story starts out where there's this file on um, to me, it looks like there's this huge library of um uh, file cabinets in Xavier's, I don't know, he's got like another dungeon or something uh, where he keeps all these files, <laughs> but it looks like the origins or the secret origins on all these mutants in, in the secret library at his place. Um, this is the story of how he obtained these files. And it starts out with Xavier. He hears about a group of feds who are investigating mutants. So he goes to Washington, D.C., to meet with Agent Fred Duncan, who is uh, kind of the uh, FBI version of uh, Ted Roberts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because Xavier has to get into the federal building to talk to Agent Duncan. Uh, and of course, nobody's going to let him. There are armed guards. There are people throughout the offices. Ah, I'll just mind wipe everybody, you know. 
and everybody uh, everybody Everybody. (laughs) he mind controls them first to get in and then he mind wipes them yeah and then he just kind of wheels on in there and he talks to fred duncan uh fred duncan and his uh partner now i am shane do you recall in the 90s during there was like an annual event through all the Marvel annuals and they had like a trading card and they all created like a whole new villain for, for this particular annual. Um, and the X, one of the X-Men books had a character called the executioner. Yes. I believe the executioner is Fred Duncan's partner that we see in this, in this book. Really? Yeah. I, I don't think he was called the executioner. I think it was just executioner. Executioner. Right. <laughs> the letter X. Dad. Yeah, executioner. Executioner. Exactly. um but he yeah and i i his origin story was i think that he was a a federal agent who worked with fred duncan to i don't know uh, had something to do with like super superhuman affairs like you know aliens and stuff like that so he ended up gathering up you know technology that they had found and and used it against his his hated enemies the mutants but i believe it's it's this guy it says yeah his um it says Carl Dente was a field agent for the FBI whose partner, Fred Duncan, was a member of Professor Charles Xavier's underground. Duncan would cash the technological equipment that the X-Men confiscated from alien races. Oh, so now we know where it went. Well, that's interesting <laughs> because in this, on the very first page of this story, he calls that guy Bill. Yep. Okay. Okay, maybe well, maybe a, that's not maybe him. Maybe he's a later partner. Okay, yeah, maybe that's not him. Yeah, because Fred so. Duncan is around for a bit. He's around he, for he, and then he comes back. Like yeah, <laughs> he's he gone died. for a long time. Yeah, now. he dies and then he comes back. <laughs> Inexplicably. So and then, he, and then, big spoiler alert, kids. Um, Carl Denty uses the alien technology that Professor X gives him to hunt down mutants. How do yeah. you not see that coming? So yeah, Xavier goes into the office of the federal building. He mind wipes everybody. He's unimpeded. I mean, he just goes on in and he surprises Bill and Fred. And uh, they're watching a film reel of this young mutant using this red eye beam. And that is, of course, Scott Summers before Charles Xavier even knows him. Um, he Now he uses this eye beam to save a crowd from a falling air conditioning unit which he kind of knocked off with his eye beam by accident. So it's a good thing okay, he's doing that's it. That's what yeah, I was I that's what I thought happened. Yeah. And I was trying to figure like because they never showed him, but I was trying to figure out where the HVAC worker was that broke Scott's heart. <laughs> <laughs> because that's some Just... jilted lover bullshit right there to shoot yeah. the HVAC unit down and then destroy it in midair. Well, I tell you, man, if he didn't shoot the mimic in the back of the head while he was making a sandwich, he's not going to shoot an HVAC worker for breaking his heart. <laughs> so so um, I, I kind of find this pretty cool, actually. He's, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about this mutant and, and what they can do. And Xavier's like, well, hold on, I can help you guys out. Um, I can, you know, I could take him in, train him. You know, uh, and, and make sure that he's he's in good hands, that he's safe, and that everybody else is safe. They make a deal. They're like, okay, you yeah, do and he this. basically he kind of does like it sounds like he does like information exchange. Yeah, 
type of thing. Yeah. So he basically is like, I'll give you intelligence if you let me be the one. Right. Yep. So all exactly. this time, Charles has been working for the government. Well, we kind of knew that anyway. I mean, they lend yeah, him but, helicopters and all that shit. So I know, but he's kind of been spy. He's kind of been spying on his students, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Well, we know that. Yeah. It's Xavier's dirty. <laughs> well, there's there's an there's an editor box from Stan, which I actually did find useful, Rob. I haven't okay. not yet gone back to research it, but. Uh, Duncan is t talking to uh, uh, Xavier and he says, we'll supply you with in the info we have and you report at intervals to us. And there's an asterisk and the asterisk says, as seen in issue two. And mm -hmm. I don't remember that at all, but I do remember like Xavier being in cahoots with the government because yeah, the whole thing about the parents letting Jean go to the school was that it was a government funded school. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So in, in, I think it's in issue two where you see Fred Duncan wearing that stupid headpiece. And I think it's to, to communicate with Charles Xavier. Um, I don't know. You guys don't remember that? I don't remember um, that. That does not sound yeah. familiar. Well, so this issue just to me pointed out that, yeah, the, the crimes of Xavier are a real thing. <laughs> It's not just me going, this is shady, you guys. No. <laughs> uh, as soon as I saw the row upon row of filing cabinet, I was like, holy crap, he's got files on all these people. <laughs> We've been trying to I mean, tell you, Rob. Yeah. He knows who is a mutant and who's not a mutant, probably even before they do. He's like the creepy wheelchair-bound Santa Claus. That <laughs> <laughs> this is the story, you know. They, they they agree to do this, you know, this deal with Charles Xavier. And and that's that's it. That was five pages. Um so what did you guys think of that story? I liked that story. It like it made me I, I don't know if I think excited is too strong a word, but it definitely made me interested to read the next little like the because it, it goes into it at the very bottom of the last panel it says next ish the origin of Cyclops. So I was like, oh, there's gonna be another origin story at the end of that that'll be kind of cool. Yeah. Little so it did make me interested in these little vignettes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh I come to to enjoy these more than the, the primary story. Right. Yeah. So, it's it's then. fun for me because you're like um the main um you know, mutant hater shows up numerous times in these small little four or five page vignettes, and he's in the same pose every time. It's like color forms, kind of. You know, <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's cool. <laughs> and it's just some guy, like you know, complaining or yelling about muties. And... Yeah, I hate mutants. Yeah, ah, that guy. <laughs> um. So, shall we go on to the next issue, the next book? Yep. I think so. Okay. I like this one a little bit better. This was Avengers number 47. Release date was October 10th, 1967. Cover date was December of 67. Roy Thomas did the writing. John Bashima did the penciling. Inked by George Tuska. Colors by Stan Goldberg. Lettering by L.P. Gregory, right? Lisa, Peter, and Greg. And edited by, well, Stan Lee, of course. The title of this story is Magneto Walks the Earth. 
So following Magneto being abducted by the stranger and taken to a strange planet, um, he is reunited with Toad, who he left there before. <laughs> I totally forgot. I had about questions, that. but I was like, nah, fuck it. That's yeah. not the worst yeah. thing in this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Magneto and Toad are on the stranger's prison planet where they notice magnetic waves coming from Earth. And they eventually use these waves to return home. Meanwhile, Captain America is announcing that he's quitting the Avengers, though he won't tell them the real reason. Like, he's obviously holding something back. Um, Hercules goes to Mount Olympus. I don't know, just to climb a mountain. And uh, then we meet with Dane Whitman, who this is the first time we see Dane Whitman. His uncle was the original Black Knight. Dane is using a magnetic, I don't know what, I'm just going to call it a magnetic manipulator. I don't know the science here. But he's using this device to send magnetic communication waves into space. This is where Magneto and the Toad get their uh, get their vibe, right? They sense this stuff happening. When he finally realizes that he's pulling something to Earth through these magnetic waves, he's KO'd, he's knocked out by his traitorous assistant Norris because Norris wants to take the credit for it. Yeah, Norris looks like an asshole. He totally <laughs> does, yeah. He, he's got that look about him. Magneto and Toad appear because of those magnetic waves, and and they take over the castle, which is apparently where Dane Whitman lives. It's the castle that used to belong to his bad guy uncle, the Black Knight. Now, the Black Knight left the castle to him, to his favorite nephew, which... It might have been a bad guy, but he wasn't all bad. Um, Magneto lures Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in hopes that they'll join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's pretty much the summary of the story. So let's talk about that, you guys. First of all, I got I got to say, Magneto is a dick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. I don't know, you but know, to, now in defense of Magneto, if I had to hang around with the Toad, I would probably be a dick Yeah, I don't he's know why. He's pretty inseparable. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't just straight murdered the Toad by now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got to have somebody to put down. I mean, that's that's how he is. But it's an entire planet. He could have come back and the Toad never would have seen him. I mean, you know, there are people on this planet well, obviously we just it's don't their bump king. into. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it must be their um, kink. So I was thinking about this because Magneto is really mean to him, um, and then he comes back to Earth and he's mean to everybody. So, but what, what I find interesting is we just got done reading some X Men, where the m mutant master was going to take over the world by killing off Homo sapiens and letting the mutants rule. Now that's kind of Magneto's thing, right? Mm-hmm. Magneto would be a bigger dick if he knew that this mutant master was horning in on his action. I'm pretty sure, you know. Yeah, I guess it's, it's a good thing that the mutant master didn't mind wipe anybody. He would have had Magneto <laughs> and Professor X after him. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, I was looking when I was reading this, I was like, man, because the art has changed for Magneto since the last yeah. time uh -huh. he was in the yeah. X Men. I was like. Well, it looks like Magneto has kicked the meth, but whatever space crack he's doing is not helping his disposition at all. Ooh. Nope. 
there are some books where the art is pretty shady. Um, and I'm trying to remember if it's like, I don't know, Marvel two and one or team up or something like that. And Magneto has like curly brown hair. He looks like a crazy man. Um, there's a couple pictures in here where he looks kind of like a shaved monkey. Yeah. Yeah. The page art one. Is, yes. Page yeah. one. Thank you. The cover. Um, <laughs> no, the, the art is pretty sketchy and, and, you know, I grew up liking John Buscema's artwork. Um, maybe it's just that John Buscema and George Tuska as an inker don't go well together. But there are some spots that are really good. Um, yeah. Page three, the first <laughs> panel. The, the, I mean, dialogue aside, um, I really like the shading and the texture and Magneto's face. You know, regardless as to why he's angry, the the anger in his face is really good. Now the helmet surrounding it is really weird. It kind of looks like a flat piece of metal that has been pressed up against the panel like a window. But the facial features are really good. Um, again, I'm still kind of stunned that he actually left Toad on that planet. So he got kidnapped by the Vanisher, or kidnapped by the the Stranger, him and uh and Toad. Right. Right. They got taken to the planet. Magneto escaped and came back without Toad. And it wasn't until Magneto was bothering the X-Men and Xavier's like, I know who would like to know that he's here. And he contacts the stranger and the stranger comes back and get him. Toad was still on the planet. He was just hanging out waiting for him. He was like, like, one day, one day Eric left and went to go buy cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be back. Daddy, where'd you go? There is an interesting comment here. Um, as they're leaving, they're like, well, he won't be too worried that we're gone. He's, you know, he's got a new toy to play with. He's paying more attention now to the abomination who he has, uh, the stranger has brought to his planet. So so that would have probably yeah. taken place in the Hulk, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it did, yeah. Um, now the Hulk's got nothing to do. <laughs> so Hawkeye by the way, is also a dick. Yeah. What a dick. <laughs> he, he mistreats his girlfriend, Natasha, a.k.a. The, apparently the former Black Widow. Like, she's given up being Black Widow because, I don't know, she wants to be Hawkeye's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but he is just the biggest jerk to her. And he's rather a jerk, than... and then he thinks about it. He thinks yeah. he's a jerk, and then he continues being a jerk. Instead of saying, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, he slams the door. <laughs> he's like, and then wow. he says that, oh, I can't apologize now. First, I can't remember <laughs> why. But he he's th- he thinks about apologizing. He's like, nope, I can't do that. It's just <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Who wrote this again? Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, that's Roy what Thomas. he does. So, yeah. So he's thinking about being a dick. And then he thinks to himself, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. And then he slams the door and leaves. Slams the door. <laughs> and the Black yeah. Widow is just sitting there crying, which is, seems very out of character for the Black Widow I know from the, the Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of out of character for the Black Widow in the comics, too, by the way. That's one of the I things assumed. that is, it's like, I'm thinking that, like, I remember, like, that whole... Tony Stark is an alcoholic kind of came out of left field when the, mm-hmm. they would show him drinking, but it ramped up really quickly. But well, next anyone, page, he's, yeah, he's a mess. If someone had told me that Hawkeye was an alcoholic, I, I would have bought into it right away. 
<laughs> because he's like, oh, I'm just, oh, dames are bad. Oh, I feel bad for what I do with that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like on page six in the first panel, though, where, where Hawkeye, he, he's brooding, but he's he's just standing there in like the Captain Morgan pose with one one, one leg on a on a ottoman or something. And you that's know, the Riker me, maneuver. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. That's like, that panel is like the best thing ever. God damn it, woman, don't talk to me. Can't you see I'm contemplating? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing happens. So the, the Avengers are doing this thing where they're kind of focusing on different members of the team, and they're all in different places. Like, the Avengers never hang out together. They, they're like, this is what's going on in Mount Olympus. This is what's going on over in the castle. This is what's going... Which the castle, by the way, is where? The United States? Yep. yep. Okay. That's what it says. Yeah. This is what's going on with uh, Hank and Janet in Las Vegas. Yeah, by the way, their chauffeur is the whirlwind, the supervillain, the whirlwind. And he was in an issue before this. He's like this green helmeted guy with like blades and he spins yeah, he around. Really saw fast. blades at people. Yeah. That's pretty cool, actually. Apparently by day he drives their limousine. Well, you know, being a being a second rate villain doesn't really pay. You gotta pick up side gigs. He just yeah. But now he's be rich because he invented Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I do one thing. I wanted to one thing that kind of like it made me shake my head, but you know it. I didn't shake my head too hard at it because magnetism, yep. literally, mm -hmm. like yep. Magneto can just detect magnetic magnetic rays from earth on an oh. entirely different planet in a different solar system because like oh those are coming from earth fine and then he can use those magnetic rays as a bridge to get back to earth through deep space deep space ah, uh, you do forget drew he is the master of magnetism yeah he doesn't let us forget that's why yeah. like, <laughs> I, I, I wrote a note about it and i was like yeah it's Magneto. I mean, that's just yeah. this is thing. But what 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 really like got to me was he got back to Earth, got there, found this machine that did this incredible magnetic stuff that would work well with his powers. So he used it to make a phone call. Yep. <laughs> what are you gonna do when you get back to town? Gonna call up Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, see what the happy haps are. So, of course, there is a relaying of the story where Scarlet Witch and Magneto meet. Um, this is Which why. Which is cool. I like and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's hoping that they'll join his new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's why he's contacting them. Um, and he's like, of course, they owe me because, well, I saved Scarlet Witch's life. Yeah. It's not a it life debt. Yeah. It doesn't go that well because they're Avengers now. And so he fights with them. He defeats them with magnetism and he's now forced to defeat the world all on his own that's pretty much the issue in a nutshell can i can i talk about something that might be controversial i have no idea what your guys's view on this is this is going to be good this issue and i don't have much experience with him in marvel this issue made me hate hercules i fucking hate hercules just from this issue no, Hercules is kind of a douche canoe. Like, oh my god. Every <laughs> single time one of his things would come up, I was just like, it was so hard for me to read through. His speech pattern is absolutely awful. 
Like, and it's not consistent either. Like sometimes they'll say right. half H-A-T-H and sometimes they'll say have H-A-V-E. It's like a cross and between like, Kazar and Thor. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was so, it was so hard, to, like physically hard for me to read that because I was like, I had to translate it in my head what the hell he was trying to say. And like, I read Shakespeare. I have no problem with old English, but Hercules was just, it was a mess. And then like there yeah. at one point, he's like, you know, trying to curse something and you know of course he's cursing on on he, it's supposed to be the greek gods because it's fucking hercules and he says something about pluto i'm like that's that's roman mythology what are you like what the hell's going on here yeah and like, it, just the whole section with hercules in it i i, I was so angry about it it was hard i hate, to I hate hercules <laughs> Yeah, he kept repeating himself, just saying the same thing over and over again. I couldn't stand him. Yeah. Yeah. Why is Olympus empty? Why is... So he just starts climbing shit. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, you have a I don't see anybody. Let me get in this tree to see if I can see them better. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd, I'd be panic. I'd be panicking. I'd be running around like, my God, what am I going to do? There's no one here to fix the toilet if it breaks. I better set up a seat on the fountain so that that way I have some place to poop when the toilet goes down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, all right. Uh, so we're a third of the way through that storyline. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, last thoughts before we go on. <laughs> so uh, and this at the, in this book, the one thing that that hit me the most was there was a footnote in one of these things, um, where it's okay on page six, the bottom right hand corner is as um, Hank and Janet are boarding their chartered jet. Yeah, it says, um, um, what was it? Who was saying something? They said, anyway, the note is he almost doomed the super powered pair last ish. Remember. Footnote weary stand. Oh, yeah, motherfucker, weary. you aren't the only one who's tired of your <laughs> footnotes, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a wrap. These were rough. These were yeah. rough. It gets better, you guys. <laughs> it gets better. You sound like those suicide prevention commercials from the nineties. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here as part of a service, and so are you. And um, I think that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> something to think about um anyway yeah thanks for joining us <laughs> i'd hate to leave it on such a sad note i mean the the one thing about this last issue this avengers issue that i particularly appreciated was the fact that it kept jumping around to like all the different characters that way like like the issue with or the not the issue but the little section with hercules in it that i hated reading i was like oh it's going to be over in like two pages so I'll just get through it. I I I knew that it wasn't going to be the entire issue of just that bullshit. And yeah. and some of these little sections were fun. I you know the the section with with Scarlet Witch getting saved and I don't know the the little the the little Vegas trip that uh, Ant Man Goliath Giant Man whatever the hell his name is and you know the Wasp go on was pretty fun. Like there was some was fun, fun stuff in this issue. Yeah. And then the the best part about about it for me was on page 20 the last panel uh when toad just looks like golem from the lord <laughs> of the rings yeah he does <laughs> I, I i i was as i was reading this i was like he kind of looks like eric stoltz in mask 
or like <laughs> the, was it the the wind in the willows, like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. What was that? He looks yeah. like that guy, like the toad. He looks like yeah. They really did try toad. to make him look kind of like a cartoon toad yeah. in this book, and the art on the art on Black Widow was really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I gotta say that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't read the segment with with Goliath, aka Ant Man, aka Giant Man, aka Hank Pym, without thinking, you know, yeah, she's his fiance. At some point, they're going to get married. Then he's going to beat the hell out of her. Right? It, that does. It, that's always, if you've known that happens, it's in the back of your mind all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It really killed the character for me. That is a wrap for tonight. Um, thanks, you guys, for joining me. We'll do it again. Uh, we are going to next issue talk about next Avengers. Yeah, excuse me. Yes, next episode, we are going to be talking about Avengers number, or excuse me, X-Men 39, Avengers 48. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.